You must be at least 18 years of age to listen to the following podcast. I am Robert Black, and you are listening to Sexual Heroes. Twice in a heterosexual marriage, my guest Clifton Tatum came out at the age of 40 and went on to be the 2015 Mr. Palm Springs Leather, ultimately competing at International Mr. Leather in Chicago. He is currently president of the Palm Springs Leather Order of the Desert and a member of the newly formed Brothers of the Desert, an organization of black gay men and their allies, eliminating isolation and empowering and supporting the community. Hey, Cliff, thanks for joining me today. Well, thanks for the invite, Robert. You are president of the Palm Springs Leather Order of the Desert, the PSLOD. Correct. And you were Mr. Palm Springs Leather 2015 and competed at International Mr. Leather. Yes, yes. But what got my attention recently was something I didn't know about you. And that Uh is (laughs) that you came out at the age of 40. Yes, I was a uh, a late a late bloomer, as my mother said when I came out to her. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about what what the what delay the, was? I uh, just I'm interested in what because you you went like from at forty to coming out to running for a, a leather title at fifty seven. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. That's quite a change. Growing up in a small town, and the only gay images I saw were those of drag queens and the effeminate men and the effeminate male professions, like your hairdresser or, you know, seamstress, or the characters you see on TV, okay? So what feelings I had that I knew weren't right as a kid you know something's not right i knew whatever it was it couldn't be gay because i had no interest or attraction to those things that i saw and so i just went about my life thinking you know some men just have sexual feelings but not to the degree that you'd act on them i figured like most men were attracted to superheroes or or you know super athletes or, or very attractive men so i just went living my life like that having girlfriends. I got married a couple of times. Things were normal. And then I left home, separated from my wife due to my promotion. So she was in Southern California and I was in Northern California. And I started hanging out at the gym and started working out, getting myself in shape because I worked for the Department of Corrections and I was working in a new firefighters setting. So I needed to get in shape. Okay. It was time. And so as time went on, I, I started to let my guard down. I started to allow myself to have these feelings that I had. And I allowed myself to have these attractions. And at the same time, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still, my marriage is, is not great. Uh, it, it was a period where my wife really wanted to be single again. And at the same time, I was like hanging out in gay settings just to get a vibe. And it was during this time that I was beginning to realize that all gay men weren't what I thought or what I saw in media or on TV or in comedies or, or the stereotypes. And I was really realizing 
when I started uh, hanging out in the gym and realizing that guy's gay. And I, I would have never known that or, or that guy is gay. And I wouldn't have known that. And so I said, well, maybe. And maybe how did you know that? How did I know they were gay? Yeah. By, by being told. Oh, okay. being told. Yeah, they weren't talking people. about Judy Garland or something. No, no, no. They, no, I know. I was just being told, oh, that guy, he's gay. And I go, oh, really? And, and I, you know, I wasn't discriminating or anything. I was just, I didn't know gay men came in that form. I mean, when I saw the village people, when they came out, I really, really defended they were five straight men who were macho and macho careers. I mean, they were hyper masculine cop and guard and, you know, cowboy. I just thought those were hyper masculine and I never dawned on me. So later when I came out, looking back, oh, they were gay icons. I didn't realize that. At the time when I went, when people would say they were gay, I said, they're not gay. There's five, five guys doing five macho careers, you know. It, it never dawned on me because, like I said, I didn't have anyone to tell me anything different growing up. So I started hanging out after, after uh, well, actually what happened was I met a guy. He was married. And I was at, towards the end of my marriage. And this guy was a beautiful man whom I felt attracted to. We met at a, at a, at a gay beach, but it wasn't, it wasn't really, I wasn't there to hook up. Okay. I was just curious to see different types of gay men. And I found it very erotic to be in the environment. So he was actually the first gay guy who I made as a friend. And he was married and he worked in social services. So we had a lot in common. And as he was married to a woman as well. Yes, he was. Yes. Uh And as we began to talk, he started sharing his life with me. And and he said that he knew he was gay since he was a young boy. And I said, well, why did you get married? You know, and he said, well, it's just the thing you're supposed to do. And I, I thought, gee, if I knew I was gay, I probably would have never gotten married. But as time went on, okay. I fell in love with this guy and it was then that I realized I can't stay married. I said, I, I can't live this dual life. You know, I, you know, I can't do it. And so I said that to, you know, to my wife and I said, you know what, I guess it's good. Let's go ahead and get divorced because this is where this thing is leading. And we did. And then once I got divorced, then I started exploring San Francisco. I'm sorry. I had moved to Santa Cruz for this job promotion. Okay. So then I started hanging out in San Francisco and discovered the leather, discovered the leather bars and the, the, the daddy bars. You know, there was daddies uh, in the Castro and then there was the edge. So these were older, older gay men who I identified with and thought, oh, I found my tribe. I had no idea these men who were very comfortable for me to be around. I felt very much at ease and they happened to be gay as well. Well, I quickly identified with the leather community because the hyper masculinity and the leather and, and the imagery, it all started making sense. The village people were gay. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, the leather man wasn't a mo- he, he really wasn't a motorcycle driver. Clip. He, you know what I mean? It all started clicking. And, and as time went on and I met more of these, these, uh, these fellows from the, from the bars, I realized, okay, okay. It's uh, I'm gay. I'm gay. And, and when I was younger and I thought the feelings that I had weren't enough to qualify me as gay, just I was just a horny motherfucker who thought men were sexy mm-hmm. and probably would get with one if the opportunity arose. But I had never been with one. And so this guy who I met, who I fell in love with, who was married, uh, 
I kissed him for the first time. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all the kissing I had done in my past <laughs> was like, oh, my God, this is a totally different feeling. And once I fell in love with him, my my desire to be with him was so different than all the other relationships I'd been with. I mean, he was married and uh, I would go to his, I, I, I was, to, I was assigned his best friend. Okay. So his wife knew me as his best friend, but dude, I was going over there on Fridays, staying till Monday morning, hanging out in the guest bedroom and we'd hang out all day at his place. And we, you know, he were, he lived on a large property. So we'd, I help him with chores. He had around the house, you know, planting trees and building planters or whatever, whatever he was working on plumbing projects. Cause I was living on state property. So I didn't have any house chores or work to do. And I was just hanging out with this guy and I was finding myself in love with a strong desire to be with him and around him. And, and at the same time, I was trying to keep my distance because he was married and I was trying to respect the situation but I was making a complete fool of myself, unbeknownst, unbeknownst to myself, I was making a fool of myself. And I didn't even realize at the time because I had just fallen in love like a teenager. Well, as time went on, I knew that relationship couldn't last. And so I moved on to another job assignment because I needed to get control of myself. And I continued to date guys in the leather community. And I would go to leather contests and I just liked what they stood for. I liked what they did. I liked the sexuality. I liked the, the seediness of it. I just, I really got into the whole sexuality and the kink of uh, the leather community. And when I moved to Palm Springs after retiring from my job, it was the first time I attempted to run for a title. So I, I wanted to be that iconic, uh, you know, Tom O'Finnan type of leather man. So I spent a year working out really hard and, uh, it showed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Things it shows. <laughs> yes. At the time, you know, we're talking, we're talking now, what, how many years, five years ago. So in, in uh, 2015, I had put in the sweat and tears and, and looked pretty good in leather. And I won the title and I felt great about myself and I did everything I possibly could do for the community at the time and went on to IML and did well. And just kind of found my tribe, you know, it's one of those funny things that once you acknowledge something about yourself, then I went back in my life as I'm sitting, you know, as I sit back and think, you know, truth be told, I knew I was gay at about four years old, Hmm. but, but I didn't realize that was gay. I didn't identify that as gay. I, I just identified it as a feeling. You know what I mean? It's like saying just because I happen to own a Porsche, doesn't make me a race car driver. You know, just, just because I happen to find him attractive doesn't mean I'm gay. And so that's kind of how I, I, you know, went through life. You know, I wasn't not attracted to women and I enjoyed my sex life with women. I just actually had no experiences to compare it to. And so all that time that I thought I wasn't gay enough to be gay, I was, <laughs> I was, I was gay enough to be gay, but I, I hadn't allowed, I hadn't allowed myself to, feel the feelings and experience the relationships where I think, I think young, young men today or young boys today, you know, they're not hung up by what society is doing or watching them or, you know, feeling like they're under a microscope and they will allow themselves to have experiences and explore their feelings. And, you know, things get cleared up right away (laughs) at a young age. So you found the leather community. 
Yeah. There's, there's kind of two communities that sort of overlap. There's the, the kink BDSM community. Sure. And then there's the leather community. Right. And just because you're in one doesn't mean you're necessarily in the other, but they do overlap. And, you know, for some people in the BDSM community, the leather just is kind of the uniform that goes with it and how you kind of find other players. Are you in both communities? Are you in just the leather? You know what, Robert? You know, Robert, that's probably the best explanation, uh, you know, summary of of what we're talking about I've ever heard. I walked into a leather bar and saw this masculinity, smelled this male musk, saw the old worn, torn leather with Levi's somewhere in full, you know, spit shine black leather. And I was turned on. And then I discovered the Tom of Finland and it was all coming together. I had no idea about the kink side of leather. You know, I knew there were kinky men and I saw them wearing the, the, the hankies and I knew the hanky code. But I didn't discover, I did not discover kink and then leather. It was leather. That is where uh, my heart and, and sexual attraction is. And when I usually put on, I don't wear leather a lot, one, because it's very hot in Palm Springs. But when I wear leather, I feel very sexual when I do wear my leather. The kink, no, I, I would not say that I am a, 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 you know, a kinkster. Am I kinky? Yeah. Yeah, there are things I like that most people would be quite surprised. But I've never been into the BDMS SM because BDSM. That, mm-hmm. yeah, I've never that was that was that was something that I have played with, but it's not a draw. Do you want to tell us about your kinks or no? Oh no, I have you know I I love uh, exhibitionism. Uh, mm-hmm. I love I love uh, outdoor play. I love groups. Um, I. Hmm. I enjoy uh, the nipple play and I enjoy ass play. I'm not a fisting person, but I've, I've fisted people. Um, uh, You're accommodating. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, yeah. If there's an, if there's a BDSM accommodator, (laughs) that's, that would be me. You know, I, I have enjoyed flogging. I have enjoyed receiving flogging on, on, on a, on a nice, Nice, nice flutter, you know, a gentle flutter. I, yeah. I would not say I, I raise any, any um, marks or anything. Well, I just want to point out how we're different here because okay. I think a lot of people listening may not get this until they hear, hear this. Mm-hmm. But when, you know, I talked about the two different communities, I was sort of the BDS in the BDSM community right. and I gravitated toward the leather community because uh, that was where I could sort of identify potential partners. Right. Because it exactly. is, it's kind of the uniform, the traditional yes. uniform. Yes. Yes. A lot of leather men, especially the new leather community, the new people you see coming into leather community, just wear the leather just for the leather. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, there's a lot of leather fashion out there. And there's a leather uh, a fetish. And then there's people who are kinky that happen to wear leather because that is the uniform. And there are people who are kinky that don't wear leather at all. Of course, yeah. That's and, right. And, and so now, you know, 20 years ago when I was go to, when I'd go to a leather bar, you would see leather. And now today you see a lot of neoprene. You see right. a lot of puppy, puppy masks. You see 
small amount of leather, but you see now it's it's more of uh, where you identify with, and the and it's all under the leather umbrella. And I know in the leather community, a lot of leather men kind of resist this this coming together and diversity of leather. But you're going to have to accept it, or it's going to die. You know, if you don't open up the door and let allow people to come in with their fetishes and their kinks and their and their interests and their curiosity, you're going to lose your whole community. And so, you know, as a leather person, I was more of a traditionalist coming in. I couldn't say old guard because I came in so late. But I will say I was more of a, a traditionalist. And then as I sat and watched leather contests, because I've judged many, many leather contests, the whole leather identification has slowly morphed into so many other communities under the leather umbrella. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I know it, I talk to people who really aren't into a lot of kink, but like to wear the leather. So yeah, there's a lot of people, like you said, there are two, two groups that the leather initially identified one who liked to wear leather and the ones who are actually into BDSM. Yeah. And I think, I think some people would be surprised to see my closet because there, there's very little leather in it. It's, uh uh it's just enough to, to signal. Basically. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. and that and that's one of the things that um, clearly I didn't get as a young man before I turned forty. I wasn't, I had absolutely no gaydar. When I came out to my mom, we're sitting on the couch at forty. She proceeds to tell me all the gay men that I already know, <laughs> and I'm fast. I go, what? I, I'm totally in shock. He's gay. He goes, yeah. What about this guy? He goes, honey, he's always hitting on your dad. Are you serious, mom? And so I, you know, I'm looking at these people who are, you know, older than me. They're my mom's peers. And I had no idea because in my mind, I had this structured little, what a gay person is that anything that fell outside of that little square wasn't gay. And, and now I'm a big collector of Billy dolls mm. because, and I don't know if you're familiar with them, oh, yeah. they're kind of mm-hmm. it, the, the iconic gay imagery. And now I realize gay comes in so many forms. I, I, it just blows me away. So where is leather going now? And, and especially during the pandemic, what, what is PSLOD doing to kind of keep the energy going and plan good, ahead? Yeah, that's a great question. So what happened was I was elected president uh, PSLD this past January. Okay. So I took over 2020. And, yes. 2020. Mm. And so I, um, I knew that we had to prepare for leather pride, uh, at the end of the year for 2020. Cause we say leather pride 2020 is actually in October, which is practically at the end of the 2020. Mm-hmm. And with the pandemic hitting and, and I was kind of looking at the trends and looking at the way things were going, I'm realizing that there is no way we are going to be prepared to take on a large worldwide community coming into Palm Springs and keeping them safe. It, it was one of those things where I sat down at the club on, on zoom because we hadn't had any, you know, face-to-face meetings right? Uh, since like, like almost, almost like a month after, I think, yeah, I think we had three face-to-face meetings and that was about all I had. And I said, you know what? We need to make a decision, and it's not just affecting us as a club. This is going to affect people making decisions about how they're going to spend their money, how they're going to travel. And 
what we're basically doing is we're inviting the world to Palm Springs mm -hmm. and they're coming for a particular reason. And that's to, to have a good time. And, and, and it's, in leather, it's become a huge event here. It's a huge event. And I felt like it, it's not fair to keep people hanging on in hopes that we're, we have our event. And at the same time, provided, you know, me feeling good about myself putting on a safe event where people's health is not at risk. And at the same time, asking all our sponsors to participate as we're shutting down, you know, we're shutting down um, all our, our bars, we're shutting down restaurants, uh, you know, bread and breakfasts, B&Bs, every, everything that, that, that you put together for a, a, a large scale event is being told to close. And I said, you know, and then we put it to vote and we all sat around and, and, and as, on Zoom on, in a meeting and gave the pros and cons and we took a vote and decided, you know what, it's, it's just not worth it this year. And we'll have to you know, come back uh, later and see how things are for 2021. And after that, we saw things shutting down all around us. That's when, you know, it wasn't long after that, the white party shut down and Coachella shut down and, and, the, and the country Western, um, big event we have in, in Coachella shut down. So all these large scale events around the world and here in Palm Springs were shutting down. So we were kind of ahead of that, that curve. It wasn't one of these things where, you know, we drug it out and kept people's hopes um, up. We, we let people down, <laughs> I guess, early. And at the same time, hoping that we can regroup and maybe scale it back in our new design so that um, because we won't have the same amount of money because I really don't expect you know, the same amount of, of generosity we've had in the past. If businesses come back online, I'm sure there's going to be a period of time where they're going to rebuild, you know? Right. And, and a lot of places won't be there that have been there in the past. So at, in the meantime, what I'm trying to do, we're, in fact, we're having a, a club meeting coming up in the next couple of weeks and just basically checking in on people. How are you doing? How are you faring alone? How is your mental health? You know, are you getting the things you need? A lot of our members are um, have been in Palm Springs a while and are older and not as active, you know, in the bar scenes or in the community. So we we tend to have to look after each other and check in with each other. You're also a member of another organization here in the right. desert. That's Brothers mm -hmm. of the Desert. Uh -huh. Can you tell us yeah. about that? Yeah, that's a brand new organization that pulled together. About a year and a half ago, I was invited um, to have lunch over at one of the restaurants to meet these uh, black gentlemen who were coming together. A lot of them were from L.A. who had residences here and a lot of a few were, you know, who lived here as well. And this was my second participation in a black gay organization here in the desert. The first time it didn't 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 um, click as well. But this one is doing quite well. In fact, in the year and a half we've been together, we've already won, won one service award from the city. Hmm. Um, what, was, what was that for? Well, uh, we held a black summit, um, which was uh, living your best black gay life. And that was last February. And it was received by about a hundred people. Uh, we had people as far as Texas uh, and Atlanta show up. Hmm. And basically we had lots of different workshops. On, on, on how to live your best black gay life. But uh, we say black gay life because it was, it was um, attended by predominantly black men. But what was interesting is that many white, my white friends felt like they weren't invited. And I thought, oh my God, somehow 
when you say black in a title, other people feel like they're excluded. Even my own partner, who's white, asked me, can white guys come? I go, yeah. What would make you, well, because it says black on the title. I said, the reason why it says black is so that black men know the focus is there. I said, when you don't put black in a title, black people don't realize they're the focus of this event. And he goes, oh, okay, then white guys can come. I said, sure. <laughs> I said, sure. So it's an organization made up of black gay men and their allies. And it's a phenomenal, I, I, I really enjoy it because part of my uh, gay experience has been in Southern California uh, and in the Bay Area where I didn't meet a lot of black gay men. And so this organization is kind of really cool because I get to talk about being black and growing up closeted, I would say closeted, and gay. And it's amazing because so many black men shared uh, my experience and shared my stories because you don't see us also, you don't see us in, in the media, you don't see us, in, uh, you know, in ad. You, you just, we're kind of a hidden group. And in the desert, where there's few black people anyway, we're kind of spread out. And when we come together for meetings, there'll be 20 or 30 of us. And it's just like a big, it's like a big party because uh, we just don't see each other. So it, part of the organization's objective is to end isolation, you know? And uh, and we're in the midst of right now of planning an online summit, and we're also working on the 2021 uh, February summit on, on living your best your best uh, black gay life. And it's 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 one of the organizations I really enjoy. It's so different than anything I've done since I've come out as a gay man. I also read recently mm-hmm. that you were recently sort of energized about working out again more yeah. and getting yourself yeah. fit. What, what's yeah. that about? Why all of a sudden? Okay. Well, you know what? Okay. So one of the great things about the gay community is that there is an emphasis on vitality and living and living your best life. I mean, dressing, grooming, fitness, everything, you, you know, you, you got to give it your best where the emphasis is not there in the straight world. When I was, living my straight life. There was no emphasis on all that. And while going through the coming out process, I spent four to five hours in the gym every day because I was out of control in terms of, oh my God, my feelings. I'm falling in love with a man. I have this new career where I'm in charge of all these inmates in a firefighting setting. I have employees who who, who, who I'm responsible for. I have inmates who I'm responsible. There were so many things that were new to me, you know, my uh, my wife and I were had a pending divorce. The only thing I can control was my diet and my exercise regime. And in a year and a half's time, I had when I was going coming going through my coming out process, I had come out the other end in the best shape of my life. But it's amazing! It's an amazing exercise and dieting program when you're not doing it for extra for 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 the benefit of looking good. You're doing it for for. For, for stress relief. And I loved the reception I received when I came out and I'm going to bars. I'm going to, what I, you know, going to the, to all the circuit parties. I mean, wow, what a reception. Then I stopped working out <laughs> because I said, wow, I'm in shape. I can, I can quit my gym membership. 
And it, it took about three or four years and everything started going back to normal. And I realized, okay, clearly I've gotten comfortable with being gay. I'm no longer having any anxiety. I have no misgivings. I am what I am. And I just was enjoying my little roly-poly life. Then I was asked if I would be interested in, in running for a leather title. And I said, well, in my mind, a leather man has a look. And I spent another year and a half getting in shape for Mr. Tool, Mr. Toolshed Leather Contest. And once again, I'm in the best shape of my life. And both of those times, I found that when I was focused on a goal or trying to deal with the stress in my life and things that I could not control, exercise was always the best remedy. So I'm now 62, Robert, and I'm thinking, well, Cliff, you want to do one more lap around the exercise uh, arena or do you want to go out fat and happy? And I said, you know what? I'm going to try it one more time. So I decided to come out to myself and, and, and make an effort for an all out last, last lap and get in shape one more time and see if I can do it. And how are and you I, doing that now without the gyms open? Well, you know what? My, my partner is in the midst of getting his personal training license. Um, hmm. And I just got my massage license. And I kind of got inspired by watching him study and read. And he's picked up a few pieces of exercise equipment here at the house because, he, you know, where he wants to do personal training. And I guess I got inspired by him because, as you know, there are a lot of things you can do in, in, for fitness and to get in shape that don't require a full gym. I mean, now, a full gym makes it that much easier, especially sure. if you want to put on a lot of muscle. But as far as cutting and, and getting your abs together and, and leaning out, there are a lot of things that he can show me and teach me um, just to get back in shape. And I know that I have the genetics. It's just a matter of having the discipline. So I, you know, I need to, to once again demonstrate to myself some discipline. So I made that uh, as, a, as a goal for 2021. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm always impressed by anyone who can get on a stage in little more than a jock strap in, you know, in yeah. front of a big crowd and you, and sure. you did it for your contest for competing at IML. Yes. Um, I did it once in a bar. Uh, there were only three contestants. It was South Florida drummer boy. Uh-huh. And that was the last time I ever competed. I would never do it again. It was stressful. Well, you, you know what? And that's, I know I, I, you know, I tell guys who are, who are entering contests, that whole jock strap portion of the contest, yes, it's for the audience because the audience gets to hoop and holler. <laughs> but what but what it really is, it's it's a statement about yourself. It's saying, hi, here I am, this mm-hmm. is who I am. How comfortable do I feel in my own skin? And there are guys who come out there who clearly aren't gym bunnies, but they're up there waving and laughing and smiling and having a great time. And that energy transcends to the audience. And they too see that and feel that. And they're those, there's, they, you know, there's that guy's biggest supporter. You know, they, they, you're right. You know, they love him. And there are icing guys get on stage who are like Adonis's, just absolutely beautiful. And the stage swallows them up. It's like, it's like they're, they're, they're so insecure, even though they have a, a body of the gods, mm-hmm. they just don't come off well. Well, and so so it, those that job strap portion is simply a, uh, the portion of the contest 
that says, how comfortable are you in your own skin? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great explanation of it because I'm always impressed and, and I'm, I guess I'm, uh, given some of the things that I've done lately with the camming and that, that kind of thing. Um, I guess I'm somewhat comfortable in my skin, but I still wouldn't be able to get up on the stage in a jock strap. So uh, <laughs> may, maybe I'll get there someday. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's, 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 it's kind of a self acceptance portion of the contest. And that's what I tell guys who say, Cliff, but I don't look like that guy. Oh my God, he looks so good. Or you look great on stage. I said, dude, this portion of the contest is about self acceptance. How much do you like yourself? Oh, oh, I get it now. I said, yeah, it's not a bodybuilding competition. It's about how well do you like yourself? Anything else you want to share with listeners? No, I, no the, the PSLOD, um, PSLOD.org is our website. Read up. If it looks interesting, there's an application you can fill out and join. Um, also, Brothers of the Desert and their allies. They have a page on Facebook called Brothers of the Desert. And that's another organization you can get involved in. Both organizations are great clubs to join if you're new to Palm Springs or or the desert and you want to get involved and you want to meet a, a great group of people. I encourage people to check those two sites out. Well, thank you very much for being on the show today. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. For information with links about a guest appearing on Sexual Heroes, visit the show notes at sexualheroes.com or on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow and message me on Twitter at Robert Black XXX and on Facebook at Real Robert Black. Thanks for listening.